It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. Tennis Director, Australia's favourite online tennis store with fast delivery and great prices. Free delivery on orders over $150. Just visit their website, tennisdirect.com.au and you can get a 10% discount store-wide. Just use the promo code FIRSTSERVE10. That's FIRSTSERVE10. From the grassroots to the elite, from the juniors to the pros, covering the Aussies trekking the globes to the champions internationally. Welcome to the First Serve, your home of tennis. Thanks to GLG Greenlife Group, your open space specialists. GLG, celebrating 25 years of industry expertise and exceptional service. Find out more at glgcorp.com. Good evening, everybody. Uh, welcome along to the first serve. Uh, absolutely magnificent to uh, have you back uh, listening. Brett Phillips uh, with you. Your show, your thoughts uh, anytime. one 736 736 or on the text tonight, 0433 98 We'd love your contribution on the show. Your French Open report card, the uh, state of affairs with tennis uh, here in Australia. Your observations, give something a plug. The floor is yours to give us a call tonight. Now, I've got a couple of prizes. To it, uh, two 18 holes of golf for two, plus a complimentary drink to give away. All thanks to Club Mandalay, a must-play course in Melbourne's north, uh, plus a $50 RapidTune voucher. They'll keep you moving with their huge range of services. Book online at rapidtune.com.au. Your calls tonight, one 736 736 The invitation is certainly there for you. Well, a French Open concluding... On October the 11th, wake me up somebody. Was it real? <laughs> Remember back when the announcement for the FFT landed, when they knew they actually couldn't hold it in their regular late May, uh, early June slot due to the pandemic? We've moved the French Open to September, October. We're doing it. We're not officially telling anyone. We don't care what's on. We're going rogue. It's one of the four slams. We can do what we like. We've spent millions on a new centre court makeover and other developments. We need our cash cow to pay for it. There's no way we're not having it. Well, by the time they got to the revised day one start, she was pretty fresh in Paris. COVID-19 numbers hitting north again. Crowd numbers continually revised. And it was settled that only a 1,000 spectators could come into the grounds. Even before the tournament started, some players felt they were harshly done by with COVID penalties threatening to sue. We heard players talk about the lacklustre hotel bubble and testing regularity. A match-fixing story emerged from a first-round women's doubles match, which is still being investigated. A non-use of technology on clay at Roland Garros, creating some controversy. Players filthy about the change of tennis ball to the Wilson and seeds were dropping like flies. But by the end of it, it just felt like a very normal French Open with a very familiar ending on one side of the draw and on the other side of the draw, another young female future star is born. Thank you. 
with arguably the greatest ever clay court performance. He captured a 13th Roland Garros title in his 100th match win at this event. That's about as close to being unbeatable as you can get on a tennis court. Simply phenomenal. Slam singles champion. And note the name. She may not believe it, but it's true. Well, certainly a magic week in Paris once again for the great Rafael Nadal. And how about Iga Sviontek, a name that is going to be rolling off the tongue a lot more. I can't see her being a one-hit wonder, to be totally honest. Your report card on the French, one 736 We'll hear from Rafa Novak and also Iga Sviontek. But I'd love your report card. Got a couple of prizes to give away tonight. And we'll take a look as well at the top ten and how it's shaping. I just want to take a look at the men's and the women's rankings. So if we look at it, Djokovic with 17 majors, Rafael Nadal with 20, Dominic Team with the one plus the two French Open finals and also an AO final. Roger to come back next year with the 20. Then we've got the pack of three, Sitsipas, Medvedev and Zverev. So Sitsipas with the two Grand Slam semi-finals. Medvedev runner-up at the US Open last year. Zverev runner-up at the US Open this year. Diego Schwartzman, the beneficiary of a very good French Open, jumps into the top ten. Matteo Berrettini, the Italian at nine. And Andre Rublev, who's made the three Grand Slam quarterfinals, elevates himself into the top ten. So that's what the top ten looks like at the moment. It just goes to show how damn hard it is to win on the men's side when you've got Djokovic and Nadal still uh, very much at their peak. Uh, Roger, who I don't think personally will get past uh, 20 majors, but it's going to come back fresh in uh, 2021 to really try and have that fairy tale finish. And Sitsipas, Medvedev and Zverev have still got you know, some genuine work to do. And then you focus on some names, and I wrote down these names outside the top 10. So the ones that I think down the track potentially, I use the word potentially, could win a major. There's plenty who I think the window is shut, who have been very good solid tour players for a very, very long time and will walk away with some really credible statistics in the game. But these are the names. Denis Shapovalov, ranked 12 in the world, so one Grand Slam quarterfinal just recently at the US Open, 21 years of age. He's fellow countryman at 22 in the world, uh, Felix auger Aliassime. Casper Ruud, I wrote down his name as well, the Norwegian, who has sort of just elevated himself to that next level of getting inside the top 30, sitting at 25 in the world. I wrote down the name Taylor Fritz. I'm not convinced about Fritz, but he has got a guy called Paul Anacone in his coach's box. Anna Cohn, of course, one of the great analysts. I was lucky enough to do World Feed TV commentary with Paul about three or four years ago. He's coached Roger Federer. He's coached Pete Sampras. He's got a very impressive resume and he's trying to get Fritz to the next level. I've kept our very own Alex Demonor in the conversation because I think it'll depend on timing. It'll depend on whether he can just grow physically a little bit and add a bit of power, uh, just just add uh, the, the elements, you know, the little intangibles that you can't see. 
to his game to get himself and he already has had a little glimpse inside the top 20 29 in the world certainly for demon or and the one who could overtake all those names that i've mentioned who obviously had a breakout french with his first quarter final is yannick sinner this young italian 19 years of age he's 46 in the world he could go past uh, dennis felix casper taylor and alex and be inside that top 10 in no time he's got easy power he's tall he'll fill out a little bit more physically and i think there's a real opportunity for him to uh, make some noise in the next uh, certainly 12 months let's have a listen to rafael nadal after claiming his uh, 13th french open and now equaling roger federer's 20 grand slam singles titles roger federer has already been on social media and s described this victory as one of the greatest achievements in sport to win 13 of these what say you about this well, I was not able, of course, to watch anything. Thanks to Roger for the for the words. As everybody know, we have a, a very, very good relationship and we respect each other a lot. And at the same time, some way, uh, he's happy when I'm winning. I'm happy when the things I'm doing, when he's doing the things well. No, So um, in some way, for me, means a lot. The positive relationship that uh, we have together because we have been uh, going through uh, a great rivalry for a very, very long time. So uh, just can say thanks to him. Novak said you played the first two sets perfect. Uh, so do you think those are two of the best sets you've ever played at Roland Garros? Well, of course, I played uh, at a, an amazing level of tennis. No, the first two, for two sets and a half, I played great. Honestly, oh, no, I can't say another thing. No, it's impossible to have this score against uh, against him without playing great. Yeah, we played uh, a very good final. I played at my highest level when I needed to play at my highest level. So something that I am very very proud and uh, yeah the personal satisfaction is big because uh, under the circumstances that uh, we played this Roland Garros that uh, even if I played uh, an amazing match this afternoon the conditions uh, are a little bit uh, not the conditions that I will choose never to play a, an event like this but uh, I was able to adapt uh, well I was able to as I say the first day you know, to, to be positive in every circumstances that I, I, I was facing during the whole event trying to accept all the challenges uh, in terms of sometimes the feeling on the on the ball haven't been great because of the cold and everything uh, but I take it in a positive way you know and just try to to work every day with the right determination looking for my my goals and yeah I think is one of the Roland Garros that have a, a better personal value for myself. So there he is, uh, the great Rafael Nadal, just uh, a standard business as usual fortnight in a very unusual uh, French Open, but uh, he was a bit worried about the babble out early, going to the Wilson a bit more fluffier, he wasn't going to get uh, that cut through uh, the clay, but he, he did not put a foot out of place, he looked absolutely superb. Ben in scores, but you want to talk about Rafael, Benny, welcome. How are you mate? Going well, thank you. Oh, perfect. Um, yeah, look, I just wanted to talk about how good it was last night. I, mean, I, I was, I was taken. We were watching tennis for a long time, and um, honestly, I, I sat on the couch, had my TV snacks, I was ready to go, and I was just, I was <laughs> transported back 10, 15 years to when I was a young kid. When, you know, I'd, I'd be excitedly watching, you know, Rafa and and, and Rog play, and I, I know, you know, there may have been people that wanted the spectacle of the five seater, but I, I absolutely loved it. I loved the fact that. Rafa's gone level with the great man, and yep. they're both legends of the sport. And, I mean, just if we can touch on Rafa, I mean, what he has done is incredible. And, and I was always, if you had to put a hat on, I'd be Team Rog. But 
What he has done, uh, particularly in Roland Garros, is incredible. To have mm. 13 titles and only to have lost there twice. I mean, if you look at longevity in a sporting sense, uh, and let's be real, I mean, I know he's not French, but it is his home, his home slam. Yep. The only other sporting uh, commodity that can come close to that is, I think, the All Blacks uh, over a... Over a uh, extended period of dominance. Yeah. I can't think of any other sporting team or athlete that, that, that has anywhere near the record that what Rafa has, has done at, at Roland Garros. No, I think you're spot on, uh, Ben. I, I've been trying to think about world sport from an individual point of view, from a team point of view. I think the All Blacks is uh, uh, a great reference. Uh, we know what they've been able to do over such a long period consistently, uh, much to the um, chagrin of uh, the Wallabies, but been able to just have the wood on uh, uh, just about everyone in the, the rugby union world. And look, he, his achievements are phenomenal. I mean, how this will all be judged on the end is very, very subjective and I think Greg from uh, Strathbogie on the uh, text, do we now spell Brett Rafa goat? <laughs> we need it now, don't we? Do we do all this at the end when the careers are said and done and then we can peel apart the stats? I mean, I, I've gone on record as saying to me, uh, Roger Federer aesthetically will be the best player that I've seen. I mean, in full flight, the skill set that he's got and what he can do inside those tram lines uh, has him above the warrior that is Nadal. Nadal in full flight, absolutely admire him. And then, you know, Djokovic to me is not aesthetically overly pleasing. I admire his defence and I admire his ability just to, uh, you know, grind and grind. And those first two sets last night, I mean, the first set was six love. So just the pure scoreboard. If you hadn't seen the game, you would think a total destroyation. But there was absorbing points. There was juice advantage. 45 minutes that first set goes. But anything that uh, Djokovic threw at Nadal, Rafa threw one back better. And that's what he does on the clay with his top spin and his angles and he just has the measure not necessarily on the hard courts against uh, Djokovic. Ben, thank you. You've got us off to a great start. Hang on there. Going to give you uh, 18 holes of golf down at uh, Club Mandalay. Uh, take a moment in well, hopefully we can get out in the golf course uh, very, very shortly. Dino's in Boleyn. Dino, welcome to the first serve. How are you, BP? Going well, thanks. Hey, nice to speak to you. Uh, I just wanted to say about Rafa, I mean seriously, if we went back to uh, years ago times of Corton and Moya and Muller, to think that someone like this would pop up, not only pop up and, and done what he's done, it's just unbelievable. Yep. I mean, the guy, some will turn around and say, oh, yeah, he's done it on clay. Yeah, well, Rogers won a lot of Wimbledons. The other blokes won a lot of Aussie Opens. Yep. And this guy here is playing probably hardly any cartilage in his knees, and I reckon he's got another couple to go, mate. Well, isn't it funny, Dino? I mean, a few years ago, he was written off Nadal. He was shot. Those knees on the hard courts had taken a battering and there was talk that, you know, he was going to uh, wind up his career at sort of 31, 32. Physically, he's been able to get himself back in exceptional uh, shape. No doubt the clay is a little kinder on the body, but he's conquered all surfaces. You're right. I mean, in the end, uh, he'll have this dominant... Um, stat line at the French. Djokovic has owned the Australian Open and uh, if he, he wins another one, I mean, he could get up to double figures at the Australian Open before it's all said and done and obviously Roger with the eight Wimbledon. So they've all got their own story to tell and uh, all are going to go down is absolute greats of the sport. And once upon a time when we were watching Pete Sampras in full flight, we thought, gee, his record will never be broken. Who's going to be the next? I'll tell you what, there's a Spaniard. We've mentioned his name on the show a couple of times. He's only 16 years of age. Carlos Alcantara 
Perez. Watch out for this young kid. He's shooting up the rankings. I think he's trying to bit with Rafa at the Moritoglu, not the uh, Lisa Academy, not the Moritoglu Academy, the Rafael Nadal Academy in Mallorca. And this kid is already showing signs that he might just be a star of the sport. And Spain and France have this long uh, production line. That, that is for sure. We're going to sneak in a break. I want to continue to take uh, your calls. Plenty on the text I'll get to as well. 0433981116. I'm going to bring in Courtney Walsh, leading tennis writer for the Australian after the break. Your report card, your thoughts, what's happening here domestically as well. We want to see tennis back, but of course you can be a winner here at the first serve. Entries continuing to pour in for our Wilson giveaway competition. All thanks to Tennis Direct, Australia's favourite online tennis store. Fast delivery, great prices, free delivery and orders over 150 bucks. So just go to their website, tennisdirect.com.au. You can get a 10% discount, even on items that are already discounted. And get the Essex runners uh, 25% off over the weekend. So just use the promo code FIRSTSERVE10. So I've got two Wilson RG Clash 100 G3 rackets, all the accessories uh, to the value of $500, and two of the Wilson RG Blade 98 rackets, and all the accessories also to the value of $500 we're giving away. So all the details are on the homepage of our website, thefirstserve.com.au, and right across our socials as well, and we'll announce the four winners uh, in early November. You can keep up to date with our website, thefirstserve.com.au, all our uh, podcasts, and we're here thanks to Top Agents Real Estate Servicing all of Melbourne. If you're looking to rent, buy, sell, have that property investment managed, make contact with David and his team, 95584599. Their website, top-agents.com.au. We're off and running on the first serve. Your open space specialists, glgcorp.com. Welcome back to the first serve. Uh, Brett Phillips with you on this uh, Monday night. Uh, loving your calls. 1300 736 736. Got uh, around a golf at Club Mandalay. Got the Rapid Tune $50 voucher for those uh, listening in Melbourne tonight. Great to have you with us uh, online. SEN.com.au, the app, wherever you might be. Let us know where you are. 0433981116. Courtney Walsh from the Australian in just a moment. What about Heather Mackay in squash for a comparable career of dominance? Now, I haven't got her exact stats in front of me, but I. I think everyone knows the name Heather McKay and what she achieved in squash. It uh, is a, probably a good comparison. We'll try and just dig up her stats by the end of the show. You never know. Nick Kyrgios might win Wimbledon five years' time at age 30 if he hasn't given up the game by then. By then, Rafa and Roger, or Rafa and Novak, I should say, might have retired. He could be a late bloomer like Goran Ivanisevic, who won Wimbledon at age 30. Harry at Espendale. Now, Harry, I appreciate your optimism. I'm not sure I share it. We would love to see any Aussie win a major. We love that. There's no doubt about it. And it's harder uh, in an era where so many countries are playing international tennis. But a lot's got to go right for Nick if he wants to be a Grand Slam champion. Uh, Brett, don't forget Stan Vavrinka. Always a good outside chance. Uh, Mick and Berwick. Mick, I love Stan Vavrinka. He's, he's done exceptionally well in amongst the big three to pinch the majors that he has. Not pinch, he's earned them. Great relationship with Magnus Norman that just split up prior to the French. I reckon he's a bit battered, Stan, now to actually play seven matches, best of five in a fortnight to win a major. It's past him. 
but he's a guy who's still super fit that's uh, going to give these young guys um, plenty of nuisance value and still obviously good enough skill-wise to get through to a, a decent stage of a slam. Uh, Matt in Adelaide, great to have you on board, Matt. Do you think Rafa will finally win his first ATP Tour Finals this year? It's the only major event he hasn't won yet. Yeah, unfortunately, he's never been at his freshest uh, come London. We've seen him withdraw from that tournament so many times, but considering the layoff, Matt, that he's had, and we weren't quite sure what he was going to do at his... You know, dominant French Open without having the normal build-up of a full season and he's uh, just looked like absolute clockwork. Uh, so he's a chance, absolutely, uh, if he can stay fit and healthy between now and uh, the middle of November. Uh, congratulations, Igor Sviontek, on winning the French Open. As great as it was, I wish Aggie Radvanska, another Polish tennis player, had won a Grand Slam singles title. At least Aggie had a very good tennis career. Absolutely. What a point of difference with her touch and her finesse and the junk that she used to throw her in. Good on you, Tom, from Sandringham. Good text. Uh, we'll hear from Igor in just a moment. Uh, what also makes achievement exceptional is that he has won his 20 Grand Slam singles titles on a five-year shorter time frame than Federer and in 19 less Grand Slam tournaments played. Nicely pointed out by you, Gary, in uh, Moorabbin. Gee, we're blessed at the top of the men's game. Courtney Walsh uh, does outstanding work covering tennis and also AFL footy for the Australian newspaper. He's been up in the AFL hub, but he's also had a few matchstick nights just watching the tennis. Walshy, nice to have you back on the show. Yeah, thanks so much, Brett. Really good to be here as well. Um, just on the uh, on the way back from Brisbane to the Gold Coast. You're combining... Uh, it's been an extraordinary year, isn't it? I mean, you know, we usually will uh, see each other at the slams overseas. You've gone up to the bubble. I've been stuck here in Melbourne. You're wearing different hats, but, you know, still very much covering the tennis from uh, afar. But what did you what did you make of a, just a very unusual French Open? Just, I mean, the timing, number one, and uh, not such an unusual finish with uh, Rafa just dominant again. I did find it quite strange, I've got to say. Uh, even... Look, Paris, Paris in uh, you know early June, late May, early June is a it's a beautiful sight to behold. But just seeing some of the footage of, of the grounds where you're sort of going into uh, into an autumn or a fall over there, <laughs> yeah, the leaves look different. Everything looks a little more grey. You yeah, know, the, the day's quite long at the yeah you know, when the French is played in terms of uh, yeah you're walking out of there at nine o'clock and it's still sort of light and and lovely compared to you know clearly dark. Falling far earlier, which was strange. The the lack of fans it just again took me some time to adjust to that. Even though we'd seen uh, you know tournaments being held in the last couple of months with no fans at all, even just seeing little pockets of a thousand fans and, and thinking that you know two of the greatest players of all time walk out to an atmosphere or environment like they did, I found that really strange uh, last night when watching. So mm. there were elements which I found very weird, but. Uh, you, you you touch on uh, Nadal and his brilliance and, and just how exceptional his record is and you know what a legacy he's created in Paris. But also you look at look at Iga Svantec and, and and the feel, fearlessness he showed, the poise he showed, yeah, uh, just the brilliance over a fortnight. It was really a staggering performance. And, and even back down to the early rounds with Mark Polman, I thought that was really encouraging to see him. You know, push so hard. We know how hard he's worked to have that little 
Yeah, bit of a breakthrough. I thought was a was a great thing from an Australian perspective. Yeah, I'd love to see Mark uh, break through. I think for all the hard work and and the uh, the foundations of his game, Courtney, I, I think he deserves to be in double digits at least. I mean, if Duckworth is in there, and you know Millman's been able to get in there, and uh, and and Jordan Thompson, you know, Polman's has got those uh, qualities, hasn't he? Where he fights and he he grinds, he 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 rallies, and it, you know you've got to really sort of blow him off the court, otherwise he'll just stick around. So I, I think you know. Every Every player uh, is different in their progression. He's done it far more incrementally. And I suppose, you know, the, you know Johnny Millman's probably been the same, played his best tennis, you know, later in his 20s, into his 30s. Um, so, yeah, everyone takes a different trajectory, but I, I hope Mark Polman's certainly gets there. I just had one on the text here. Brett, do you think when it's all said and done, they might name the centre court at Roland Garros after Rafael Nadal? Now, we know what the centre court is called. It's been called that for a long, long time, but... Gee, surely there will be, uh, whether it's centre court or some other recognition, there's no doubt he will be honoured for many years to come post his career at Roland Garros in some way. Yeah, I, I have no doubt about that. I, I mean, I, I, look, I do think renaming the uh, the stadium, Chatteria Stadium, uh, after him is too big a step. Firstly, you know, it then downplays sort of the deeds of, uh, yep. you know, a famous Frenchman, and he's a Spanish player, so you, I just couldn't imagine it going down well with the French that you would name the main court at Roland Garros after a Spaniard, no, no matter how brilliant and how dominant he is. And we shouldn't mm. forget in the early years that he wasn't necessarily that well liked by the French. <laughs> we shouldn't forget that. Uh, <laughs> you know, there were there were there were times where uh, you know they 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 weren't overly uh, a fan of the fact that this young Spaniard was uh, coming in and dashing the dreams of Frenchman after Frenchman after Frenchman, including Gasquet, of course. So it's, uh, yeah, but I, I'm certain that there will be a statue of some sort, perhaps, if there's another, you know, we you know there's a third court sort of in that Rose Garden. It would, it would seem to me that that would be a lovely court to name after him. But to rename stadiums is always fraught, as we had a discussion with mm. that in Australia, obviously. Yes. And I would, uh, I would, I would be surprised if that happened uh, to the two main courts, uh, in Paris. Hey, Walsh, are you watching those first two sets? 6-2, six, 6, well, 6-love, six 6-2. And you're thinking, well, what are you thinking at the end of that? I mean, they actually played some absorbing points, as these two do. They've had some unbelievable, you know, battles across the journey, a battle of wills and, you know, who's going to um, survive the longest in a rally, just pounding rallies at each other with the, the skill and the class. And you walk away at the end of set two going, my goodness me. I mean, it just it looks like a complete annihilation, but... It, was, it wasn't quite that, but he just had every answer, didn't he? On the clay, he had every answer. As Djokovic defending and, and doing all his, you know, his best efforts to try and get Nadal back. And, but he did throw in the drop shot a lot. Uh, I feel like I've seen the drop shot played maybe at this French Open more than any other French Open. I don't know any numbers in front of me. But what did you take out of those first two sets last night? Well, look, for me, the, the first game was the one that was the most striking uh, the fact that he tried to drop shot Rafa four times in the opening game, that was clearly a strategy, but it was, to me it was almost, well, almost conceding that he couldn't beat him in with his own regular style and that he felt like he needed to bring him in at all costs and sort of get him moving work in the legs. I, I thought it was a really interesting tactic and you know, the first couple of point, times he tried it, he, he earned the point, but it was pretty evident that if he was going for that so early, mm. uh, he had some doubts about his ability to match him and, and he had gone to five sets in that semi-final against Stas Novak. So I, feel, I think he 
sort of was well aware that he could not afford to get into any sort of long, arduous battle, uh, particularly on clay against Rafa, even with the conditions, you know, slower, uh, the ball not bouncing as high. <laughs> He'd shown throughout the past fortnight that he was as formidable as ever. Then to see the way he just dominated him. I mean, you're right, it wasn't, yeah, the, the first set was like six love, but still like a 46, 47 minute yeah. set. So that, yep. that that shows how competitive a lot of the games and a lot of the points were. But he never looked like getting beaten. He, he never looked like losing at any stage to me. It, there was not a not a point where I thought Novak's in this match. Uh, even in the third set, where he obviously showed some, you know, he was able to take some scoreboard grounding or make some score, scoreboard grounding. He never mm. ever to me looked as though he was a chance of. Yep point off a comeback. Yeah, it was astonishing to see, and I suppose it's the reversal of what we saw, you know, in Melbourne, what, 20 months ago, 20, 21 months ago, when uh, when Novak basically dominated that final in Melbourne uh, against Rafa. Almost the flip side of that in terms of how dominant the uh, the scoreline was and how dominant it was in general play. It's uh, astonishing when you have two greats as good as they are and they've played some, some fantastic battles, but to see one so exceptional against the other. Well, you remember those matches. No doubt. Just before I let you go, uh, on the women's side, I mean, another new, young emerging player, our very own Ash 12 months ago, Andrescu at the uh, US Open, Sophia Kennan at the uh, Australian Open, obviously Osaka's been able to win three in the last few years. Ostapenko, you know, back three or four years ago, hasn't really uh, kicked on, but another new name emerges and we, we sort of once again wonder whether, you know, she can really take the next step and be a regular contender or is it going to be sort of a, a one-off? Uh, and they're hard to win. I mean, the women's tour is just so competitive. I mean, these young players are fearless while they're not playing the reputation or the resume on the other side of the net. They're just playing their game. They're backing their games in. There's an air of confidence without being, you know, too cocky. Loved her tennis. The brand of tennis she played, Iga Svantec, in the last uh, two weeks was uh, was eye-catching. It was hard to take your eyes off her. And look, we'd known for uh, certainly a couple of years that she was clearly a talent on the rise, even when she was thrashed by Harlow at the French Open last year, what she'd done to reach that stage showed that she could really, really play. Uh, we know that, look, we know that Ash wasn't there, we know that Bianca Andrescu wasn't there, we know that Naomi Osaka wasn't there, and we know that Serena hurt herself and had to had to withdraw in the second round. Yep. So there's some elite talent there, but we should also <laughs> look at the fact that she beat Fondrasova, a finalist, last year in the first round. She mm. beat Bouchard, who's clearly showing some signs of getting back towards her best, and she's a former Wimbledon finalist. She thrashed, I think, the best clay quarter in the last five years in, in Simona Harlip, uh, you know, reversing that result from, uh, I suppose, 16 months ago. You know, she just dominated the, one of the best players in the world. And then to beat Kennan, who I think was really impressive, I was really happy to see her through to a final. Yep. I think it really validates that Australian Open run. Yep. To do what she did and to hold her composure in the second set when Kennan had the match timeout... Uh, yeah, the medical timeout, sorry. Uh, just run away with it. Now, we know that Kennan, I suspect, really struggled with that thigh injury and, and that had an impact on her movement and that's clearly a, you know, her strongest point. So I don't, I don't doubt that that was a factor in that being so one-sided, you know, the longer the match went. But still, you have to win it and she won it with such conviction and such style that I, I'm pretty sure we'll be seeing her uh, contending again in the near future. 
Yeah, we'll tell a bit more of her story before the show's out, but it's been great natural progression, good junior pedigree and all-court game. Gee, she attacked and she could defend. A bit of touch and finesse as well. So uh, aesthetically, just really good tennis to watch. Uh, While she, thank you for coming on. We'll continue to read your great work in the national newspaper. And, uh, hey, enjoy the last couple of weeks uh, covering the footy. Hopefully uh, a huge finish to the AFL season. Oh, look, thanks so much for having me on as always, Britton. Great to to catch up and I'll look forward to uh, catching you again uh, well as we lead towards hopefully a very strong Australian summer exactly and we can be out hopefully the bars pubs will be open while we can have a quiet lemonade somewhere Courtney Walsh from the Australian uh, joining us to give his his reflections on the French Open just quickly before the break uh, Delph in Glen Waverley Delph have I said your name right yeah hi Brett how are you going very well thank you what do you got for us well I just wanted to let everybody know about the tennis position we've got to open up our courts when they um or hopefully we, we get a bit more out of this lockdown. So this petition, I think, what's the exact figures? I think it was up around 4,600 odd uh, today. So this is to open tennis back up in Victoria. We've had a couple of calls on this on the show in yeah. the last uh, few weeks and look, you know, it just makes so much sense. I don't, really don't need to go over it all, but obviously mm-hmm. you know, simply there's no reason for clubs to remain closed when you look at what's open and the reasons uh, being given. Successfully operated uh, during the previous stage three lockdown in compliance with DHHS and, and council regulations yeah. 10 people per venue, booking uh, courts, no club rooms open, uh, most club members live within the, the 5Ks, Adele, so what do you expect when we, we have the further announcements this coming Sunday? Do you have some optimism or are you resigned to the fact we might have to wait a little longer? Uh, I kind of got a sense a bit of a turn today. I think the pressure's building for people to accept that we're not like uh, you can't stop this thing, you can only control it and manage it so I think the targets are a bit unrealistic and I think pressure is mounting as people get to that realisation that it has to be managed and the other part of it I think is the frustration that people who've been sitting nicely waiting at home can't manage and and do anything about the outbreaks in hospitals or the cleaners that work in multiple locations and things like that so I think expecting everybody to keep waiting, waiting, waiting is now becoming more and more unrealistic. And there is such a conversation needs to change because it needs to change to what can we do safely as opposed to stay at home until it all goes away and let's pray and hope that our health department can do the contact tracing things when, when we know we can open up safely. And we did it really well before. Yeah. Yeah, well said. Uh, fingers crossed. Uh, I know you're trying to get to sort of 5,000 signatures and, uh, yeah. you know, the platform is here for people to certainly call in and, and talk about the situation in Victoria, but hopefully common sense uh, prevails here because tennis, uh, uh, along with a few other things, is uh, one of the safest things you can do from a social distance point of view. Thank you, Delph, out there at Glen Waverley, giving us uh, a call. We're going to take a break. Uh, we're going to come back. Thanks to Tennis Direct, Australia's favourite online tennis store. Fast delivery, great prices, free delivery on orders over $150. Head to their website, tennisdirect.com.au. There's the promo code. First serve 10, you get 10% off, even 10% off. Items are already discounted. Take a look. We'll be back. The first serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back to uh, the first serve, uh, doing it uh, from our little uh, home uh, hub here. Welcome back, Brett Phillips, uh, with you. 0433 98-11-16 on the text. We'll get back to your calls. A little bits I want to get through as well. Get to a few of your texts. Uh, Eager Shviontek's game reminds me of... Rafael Nadal and Sophia Kennan's game reminds me of a modern day Chris Evert with no flashy shots but good ball placement. I like that. Hey, just on Chris Evert, I was going to bring this up with uh, Walshie, but gee, Djokovic, he, 
he, he can't take a trick, can he? I mean, he just... Uh, the criticism that gets levelled at him, he's been called out by a number of female tennis champions over a comment about his rivalry with Nadal. Speaking ahead of the final on Sunday, he described his rivalry with Nadal as the biggest head-to-head in the history of tennis. It was the 56th meeting, of course. Who jumps on Twitter? The great Chris Evert. As we know, Chris Evert and Martina Navratilova played each other a staggering 80 times and the former was all too happy to point out that to Djokovic. Well, true, in men's tennis, Martina and I played 80 times, in fact. The 18-time Grand Slam champion wrote on her account. Uh, Navratilova replied with a simple... Yep. So there you go. He's in the firing line again, uh, Novak. He um, can't take a trick sometimes. He certainly digs his own grave at times with some of the, his actions. And uh, we heard a little uh, grab, of course, earlier that he, he knows that he's not everyone's uh, cup of tea. But, gee, the race to uh, see if he can get to 20 and get right up there level pegging with Nadal and Federer is going to be fascinating. Uh, Stefano Sitsipas's game reminds me of a cross between a modern-day beyond-board baseline game and Roger Federer's net game. He's great to watch. I mean, this is the fascinating question, isn't it? Who's going to break through out of Medvedev, Tsitsipas and Zverev? Zverev burst onto the scene at the start. He's won more titles than the other two on the ATP Tour. Uh, Tsitsipas, though, I think has got maybe more dimensions. I mean, you know, there was one match he played at the French Open where he won 94% of points at the net. So you love his all-court game and just his little points of difference. But they're hard to win. These guys are going to have to uh, certainly bide their time before they can seriously uh, make a breakthrough. Rather, the tournament in Madrid should be named after Rafael Nadal in reference to one of our texts earlier about maybe centre court being named after Rafa. But uh, as Courtney Walsh alluded to, I mean, uh, Philippe Chatria, the main court there, that's uh, an institution I don't think it'll ever be changed and obviously a great Frenchman. But, yeah, certainly uh, Rafa, when it's all said and done in his native Spain and, and maybe somewhere else uh, around the globe will be uh, recognised with, um, with, with something, whether it be a, a statue, whether it be a court named after him, we know that uh, he's certainly... Uh, probably going to happen. Uh, Federer's won a better mixture on surfaces. Eight Wimbledons, six Australian Opens, five US, one French, but he lost the final to Nadal four times, 2006, 7, 8 and 11. The key is if Team Tsitsipas, Medvedev and Sinner, uh, he'll come, I promise you, and I, I agree with that, and I've already uh, mentioned that tonight, uh, can get going, um, then perhaps uh, some of these records uh, could be really tapped into. I mean, it's you know, so hard to look into the crystal ball, isn't it? And look what's going to happen. 10, 15, years down the track but you know this era you know unlikely I think probably to ever be rivaled in terms of the stats of having three players in the same era uh, with the amount of Grand Slam titles that they have all won. Uh, Iga Świątek I mean her story is amazing isn't it I mean it makes history the first Polish player to win a Grand Slam singles title the youngest French Open champion since Monica Seles in 92 her father was an Olympic rower that was in Seoul in 88 in the men's uh, quadruple scale as a junior, she won the French Girls Doubles Trophy. She won the 2018 Wimbledon Juniors. All court, she won the WTA Fan Favourite Shot of the Year uh, 2019 with that drop shot from the baseline. She finished second to Simona Halep in the WTA Fan Favourite Singles Player of the Year. That was also last year. She began competing on the ITF Tour uh, 2016 through to 18. Seven titles from seven finals. So she never lost a final in that building period. Last year was 
who break through, qualified uh, for her first WTA main draw, which happened to be the Australian Open. Won her opening match April last year, first WTA final, which was in Switzerland, where she finished runner-up. Uh, debuted in the top 100 at 17. This year, she progresses to make the fourth round of the Australian Open, beat Donna Vekic, who was world number 20 at the time, third round of the US Open, and, of course, has won the French. So it's a beautiful story of just natural progression, starting on the ITF uh, Juniors Tour, uh, playing on clay uh, in Poland, and that and it is something we've talked about a lot, the lack of clay courts, certainly here in Australia. I read this over the weekend. One of Australia's corporate high flyers was allowed to skip hotel quarantine and isolate in a luxury Brisbane residence after relocating with her family from Victoria. The Herald Sun revealing that multi-millionaire, former Jetstar boss Jane Herdlicker, who is regularly seen alongside the rich and famous in her role as chair of Tennis Australia, was granted an exemption from Queensland's strict quarantine rules on September 26. A key figure, of course, um, Jane with uh, US-based uh, venture capitalist Bain Capital, which uh, took over the embattled uh, Virgin Airlines this year. The family's exemption from hotel quarantine came amid uh, sensitive talks with the uh, Palaszczuk government over its controversial $200 million stake in the airline. Now, the decision has sparked allegations of favouritism for the rich and the famous as the state's election campaign nears its second week. It's understood the Queensland Health granted the exemption to the US-born uh, Miss Herdlicker on compassionate grounds because her husband is battling cancer and required to undertake uh, chemotherapy. However, the case will uh, further fuel public anger over the government's uh, contentious exemption regime when it's in stark contrast with an elderly terminal brain cancer patient from Logan who was forced into hotel quarantine following major surgery in uh, Sydney. So, uh, interesting story across the weekend. And as we've said many times on this show, uh, we still have a request in for Jane Herdlicker to chat on our program. She doesn't do any media, really, but the request has been in since February. And I can tell you, we'll continue to chase that. A break, we'll come back and wrap up the first serve. Welcome back to the first serve. We're going to uh, wrap up an hour that goes extremely quickly. Thank you for your patience. We've uh, loved to get to a few more calls, but um, just having a couple of little uh, issues. I'm uh, remote at home. I have been for a little while, but we'll hopefully be back in the studio as of uh, next week. Uh, loving your contribution on the text tonight, so I really appreciate those that are coming in. Plenty of passion in uh, the world of tennis, abroad and at home. Uh, make sure you check out two of our friends at Starting From Scratched. They offer that premium glass repair. Macca and his team, starting from scratched.com.au. Uh, uh, could be as simple as that uh, window at home uh, that the dog uh, might have scratched. Uh, my pet lab uh, does a little bit of that just occasionally. So, um, yeah, get on to starting from scratched.com.au. The women's... Uh Rankings: Barty, Halep, Osaka, Kennan, Spitalina, Pliskova, Andrescu, Kvitova, Burtons and Serena Williams as your top ten. Well, I've already said Serena can't go past 23. Burtons can't win a major. I don't think Petra Kvitova can win a major. Andrescu's got to get out and play because she's got X-Factor. Let's put a ruler through Spitalina and Pliskova. They can't win a major. There's Iga Sviontek, Amanda Anisimova, Coco Goff and Leila Fernandez, this young Canadian. They're four names that I've jotted down outside the top 10 who we're going to be really keeping a close eye on and where does Ash Barty fit into this whole picture? It's going to be fascinating isn't it, to see how she comes back. Uh, all thanks to Tennis Direct, Australia's favourite online tennis store. Fast delivery, great prices, free delivery on orders over 150 bucks. Visit tennisdirect.com.au right now. I'll catch you next Monday. 
subscribe to The First Serve via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform to listen at your convenience to the live shows you miss on a Monday night, plus our weekly themed podcast content, including Aussies Only, Crunching the Numbers, and In the Huddle, produced by Study and Play USA. Plenty of content to listen to weekly. Subscribe to The First Serve, your home of tennis. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.